What's going on, everybody? You may have heard bits and pieces of this interview before, or if you follow my YouTube channel, you've probably seen it there. But somehow, this never made it to podcast form in its full entirety. So we've got one quick ad, and then you will learn all about Charlie Eisenstadt, the founder of Poor Cleveland, home of the best cup of coffee you will ever have. Check it out. What's going on, everybody? If you like good music, you will love the sponsor of today's episode. The sponsor of today is Dirty Backpack. You might have heard him on some episodes before. Might have seen him on my Instagram page. Might have even seen him on ColinCanHelp.com. But you should definitely check him out on anywhere that you stream music. They've got a new CD out called Dawning. Came out late July. It's got eight tracks and everyone is great. We've got features from Nuke Franklin, Adi Ray, Grimdoza, Bear Trap, and Mike Miles. If you haven't heard it yet, please, please go check it out. Or go to Instagram.com backslash Dirty Backpacking, D-I-R-T-Y-B-A-C-K-P-A-C-K-I-N, and check them out. In today's episode, we have my full one-hour conversation with the owner of Poor Cleveland, Charlie Eisenstadt. We talk about his background and how he went from being a lawyer to opening up one of the coolest shops in Cleveland and changing coffee culture. Check it out. Hi, I'm uh, Charlie Eisenstadt. I'm the owner of Poor Cleveland, a coffee shop uh, right in downtown Cleveland, Ohio. And how long have you been doing this? Is it 2013? Yeah, we've been at, uh, we've been open for over five years now, and uh, I've been at this for uh, probably close to seven years now. Gotcha. And uh, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you now? I am 34 years old. Going to be 35 in May. So, so under under 40 and already just taking over <laughs> the Cleveland scenes. Quite impressive. Trying, yeah. Um, but let's go all the way back. You're from Cleveland area originally? Yeah, I grew up uh, on the east side in, uh, in Orange and uh, moved around for a little bit. I uh, went to high school down in Florida, came back up to Ohio for uh, college. I went to Miami of Ohio. And um, then uh, I moved back here to go to law school at uh, Cleveland Marshall. Uh, lived downtown. That's why part of part of the reason why I wanted to open up the coffee shop down here. Mm -hmm. And then um, went uh, to Chicago for a, a brief period of time, thinking uh, that my wife and I would settle down there. Uh, for a number of reasons, we didn't end up staying there longer than like six months. And uh, came back here, and uh, now we're uh, residents of Lakewood. Gotcha. You're making the east to west divide, like we talked about. You're a brave man. Yeah, not many people are willing to do it, but someone had to. Yeah, uh, my mom went to University of Miami, Ohio. Some of those I've seen, I'm like, oh, look at the little connection. One of those. Like, yeah. So, uh, yeah. what took you to Chicago? You guys just thought that in your head, was that just always like your dream city? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, sort of. Um, uh, my wife and I had visited a few times uh, while uh, she's from both New York and Florida moved here mm -hmm. uh, to be with me and she loves Cleveland and and did yeah. uh, even back when we were dating but um, we both kind of uh, we traveled to Chicago a few times together really liked the city and uh, thought we would want to settle down there um, but for a number of reasons uh, the job market I graduated into in, in 2009 and, uh, it was just, uh, it was hard to get a full-time steady work. It's an expensive city to live in when you're not really working full-time. So uh, we, uh, we, I had family here and 
decided to move back to Cleveland and start our lives together here. Nice. Yeah. And uh, you just gotta kind of plan out stuff ahead, make make lists, make uh, checklists, schedules. Um, kind of always have to be flexible mm. if you can be. That that always helps. Um, and and have a good team around you. Um, uh, everybody I have here uh, extremely uh, trustworthy and, and also very dedicated to uh, making really good coffee, which is a part mm -hmm. of our mission. And uh, so I, I don't have to worry if I'm not here that right. stuff's going to change. Yeah, and as, as a small business owner, it's, that's your biggest worry. Is when you go home, you're like, you're still here in your head. You're like, can I yeah, worry it's, about it? It's 24 hours. Like, Absolutely. you go to bed, it's on your mind. You wake up, it's on your mind. If you wake up in the middle of the night, that's probably why you woke up. So, are we it, talking about coffee or are we talking about business? Oh, uh, <laughs> both. Well, it is right. both for me, but uh, yeah, you're, you know, you always are thinking of stuff, and uh, but that's that's part of business. Right, and your background, you said it's hard to get jobs. You were in, in finance originally, or was it law? Originally? I, uh, what, I, so I started out in school as uh, pre-med. Uh, my dad was a surgeon over at Hillcrest Hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, thought I would want to follow in his footsteps, so I, I started pre-med, uh, hated it, did horribly in my classes, uh, so I dropped that, uh, changed to business because I took a business class uh, my first year at Miami, really liked it, um, and I think deep down uh, I was always like attracted to uh, entrepreneurship, wanting to do, uh, to kind of create something and, um, and have people get into it. Uh, so, um, I changed majors to business and I, I focused on finance. Um, not really sure why I chose finance over anything else, um, but uh, I just, I, I've always been into like numbers and stuff too, so uh, I pursued that at Miami. Uh, didn't ultimately know what kind of business I wanted to get into or if I even wanted to really open my own business. Uh, so I decided to prolong my education a little bit, went to law school, uh, figured my dad had always encouraged me to get as much education as possible, um, just from his own background, he just always wanted me to be like a professional at whatever I did, so uh, kind of medical school, law school, uh, so law school fit into that. Uh, focused most of my law uh, education on, on business and, and tax law. Um, thought maybe that I would get into that. I think I know deep down that I didn't really enjoy it. I worked in it a little bit uh, here and there uh, in town, um, but never thought about it seriously enough, I guess. Uh, I feel like the way our society is set up with uh, education, you're, you're sort of like forced to decide that like right when you graduate right. high school, like what you're going to do for the rest of your life, which is definitely not realistic, I think, for most people. but. That's kind of the route most people take, unfortunately. And um, so I did the law school thing. Uh, I did uh, an, actually an extra year at uh, Georgetown Law in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, got a master's of tax law, thinking I would really specialize in that and that would be my expertise. Um, didn't really think I could, uh, again, deep down know that I wanted to do that for the next 30 years of my life or whatever. But. Uh, I have that degree, uh, I guess, to fall back on. Um, so I did, uh, I worked, uh, I took the Illinois Bar, thinking we would settle down in Chicago. Um, 
so I'm licensed there and then uh, moved out there thinking I would get like an associate position at a, at a, at a larger firm um, just timing wise it didn't work out uh, right. just because of the way the economy was uh, in 2009-2010 uh, um, was kind of freelancing at law firms I worked at uh, Chicago Board of Trade for a couple of traders there which was a good experience but um, I was doing a lot of like Kind of running and grunt work, uh, nothing I could do. A lot of getting for, coffee. Uh, for myself, I would sneak <laughs> out, and uh, there's a lot of great shops in Chicago, which definitely influenced a lot of uh, what we do at Poor. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it just wasn't sustainable in Chicago for us. So we ended up leaving. Uh, eventually, came back uh, to Cleveland since uh, we have like family and friends here mm. to kind of fall back on and. Uh, eventually, after jumping around to a few firms uh, part-time, got a job at PNC in their uh, uh, trust uh, and charitable and endowment group. I uh, worked there for about a year and a half, but uh, at the same time was kind of formulating a business plan for this. Uh, and just timing-wise, um, and with not much to our names, we just decided to go for starting the business. Um, just, uh, just going all in. Just kind of went all in, yeah. Right on. And uh, here we are five years later. Excellent. So let's talk about that business. The business is poor. Yep. Um, let's talk about the name. How did you come up with the name? I mean, it's obviously it's related to coffee, but I mean, it's, yeah. it's really catchy. I, I... So, yeah, the, the name, uh, and we, like, when we were uh, coming up with the business and concepting, like, what we wanted, the feel of the shop to be, we uh, um, came up with a few like very different names and concepts, but uh, we, in the end we wanted it to be like focused on our specialty, which was pour over coffee. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of what the inspiration for pour was, but then, you know, we are very much, uh, like a lot of the small businesses in, in town are very like local centric and Cleveland centric, so uh, we just thought of like, people are always like down on Cleveland especially from the outside, like, oh, poor Cleveland, like, uh, gotcha. you know, little play on something words. else, yeah, so that's where that came from. Nice. Uh, yeah. The little behind the scenes. If, if, there, if it wasn't going to be poor, was there one that, was it close to another one? Uh, God, there was, there was some weird stuff. Uh, <laughs> there was some stuff to do with, like, uh, zombies and stuff, it, like, totally different concepts. Totally different concepts. Yeah, but we just kind of went with, like, more just like streamlined quality focus, minimal, like this is what we're do, this is what we're good at, if you come in here, you, this is what you're gonna get. Right. Um, so yeah, not, not too like gimmicky gotcha. uh, in that aspect, yeah. Um, so you said that a lot of Chicago influences are in here, are there any other regional influences that uh, yeah. incorporate? I know that you're a, a global coffee connoisseur, but are there any culture other than Cleveland that you like or wanna uh -huh. incorporate here? No, I mean, I, I like the, the kind of the Midwest, um, which Chicago is also Midwest, but um, kind of like the, the hometown, small market that Cleveland is. I, I like that aspect of hospitality. Um, uh, I'm a big uh, believer in uh, kind of going above and beyond for service. Uh, so, like, I, I, everyone I want, or everyone that comes in here, I want them to have uh, a great experience. I don't want 
because what we do is a little bit different than most uh, coffee that's out there, uh, uh, we're really conscious of kind of the intimidation factor that uh, this style of coffee can have, and especially like the different places that we're getting coffee from, uh, the roasters from all over the world, and the con potential for confusion. So, uh, you know, we make sure that uh, everyone that works here is very, like, knowledgeable and able to communicate that without uh, being, like, off-putting, so right. to speak. Uh, In our experiences, everybody that we've dealt with has been, not only, that's, the, the worry that you give with, like, that specialty shop is that everybody's going to be snobby, like, you walk in, you're like, yeah. you're looking at it, you're like, I have no idea what I want. And everybody that we've talked to has been very, not only encouraging, but knowledgeable. So that's that's our goal. Like, that was uh, really, like, we were conscious of that in our, in our business plan. Um, and th that's unfortunately the experience that most people get in right. specialty coffee and got that, uh, I've had that in town here, I've had that in Chicago, uh, Washington DC, uh, where I studied for a year, uh, there's good coffee there too, uh, but uh, there's definitely like a divide in terms of uh, how much the customer knows versus how much you know, Right. and um, it's about like bridging that without uh, Kind of being condescending, and uh, yeah, you don't want, you don't want to be the come off as I know everything. This no, is why. and and you def and you don't like I'm. That's why I love coffee too, is because you. Uh, I mean, what this store is today is nothing like. I mean, it's a little bit, but it's very different than what we when we opened, and right. it, uh, it's it allows you to constantly evolve and, and be and get better. Right, you, and it, you kind of use your own creativity and your own personality and your offerings too, don't you? Kind of. Sample yeah. through and use use the style. That so you like yeah, or... basically what what this has turned into is kind of a, a just like a a business version of like a, a hobby, really. Which right. uh, you read a lot about uh, people saying saying don't do that. Which maybe they're right, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, this is kind of what I I got into coffee uh, seriously in in Washington D.C. I used to like just going to coffee shops uh, like Starbucks up the street. When mm -hmm. I was at Marshall, I, I would study there. Uh, just found the law library to be like the most depressing place on earth. I can understand. Uh, mostly because I didn't like the subject matter, but um, but I liked kind of the, the atmosphere of a coffee shop before anything else. And uh, in uh, Washington, D.C., I had a neighborhood shop that was right by my uh, uh, apartment that I was living in at the time. Uh, got to know the baristas fairly well there. Uh, they eventually, on a weekend, I had more time. They made me a pour over, uh, which I had, didn't know what that was, um, and it blew my mind. They wouldn't let me add my normal like cream and Splenda or whatever I, I was adding to it. Uh, I told them I I know I'm not gonna like it, and they're like, oh, you have to try it without. Uh, and I was convinced I wouldn't like it, and we do that here. Like people don't know what to order. Like just try this coffee as is. This is what it tastes like, and most times they're like a little hesitant. Uh, but you know, you try a really uh, good black coffee, and uh, it's well prepared. It doesn't really need any sweetener or right. cream. Uh, so that's really the goal with like all the coffees here. But uh, I I got into coffee that way from that one cup, and uh, just uh, started ordering coffee from different roasters all over the country and. Uh, learned a lot of coffee from Twitter. I started following every coffee person I could. Um, 
got into like a special like preview subscription for this cool roaster out in in Los Angeles. Uh, so I felt like kind of an insider, even though <laughs> I didn't know anybody. Right. Um, learned a lot that way. Just brewing coffee at home, uh, the same style we make it in the store. Uh, pour over with a, a V60, uh, and. Uh, just kind of experimented a lot, and that's kind of what we do here. We get samples sent to us from uh, all over the country uh, slash world, and uh, we brew it up and taste it, and if we like it, we put it on the menu. And, nice. Yeah. Um, a lot of in my travels, I've gone back and forth across the country a few times. Luckily, my dad moved out to Seattle, which you know is one of those go-to places when you hear coffee culture, and you hear about Seattle because of Starbucks, which I think is the exact opposite of what you should hear about Seattle. Is, have, you, have you been out there? Yeah, it's uh, um, it's definitely very like, not Starbucks centric, but it's um, it's definitely like a, a different style than, than we like to do here. Right. Uh, which was uh, at least a little surprising to me, but um, a lot of the coffee there's definitely, uh, and it's kind of an American culture versus uh, a lot of the coffees that we, we get in right. uh, to our shop, uh, but definitely like more uh, I won't say dark roast, but more developed roast, and that's just kind of the flavor profile that they like. Um, so you're going to get more like caramelization on beans and less, uh, you're going to taste less of like uh, where the coffee comes from, so right. to speak, on, on lighter roast and stuff. Gotcha. The, the thing that I love about their culture, though, is not the Starbucks or any of those, is the shacks. Yeah. Now, every, anywhere you go shopping, you could go right in the same parking lot and there's a shack. Oh yeah. And sometimes it's nice. Sometimes it's rickety. You know, sometimes it might just be a Home Depot shed. But everywhere is their own personality, their own availability yeah. out there. It's completely different to here. It's very, it's very coffee centric. Right. Uh, where like Cleveland, I would say, is on the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to American coffee culture. And then like you go past that to like uh, like a lot of like Scandinavian cities, and they have like basically like ritual coffee breaks in their day, like that's part of their yeah. culture. Like the, the Mexican siesta, they just stop and you gotta have coffee. Yeah, it's, a, it's like fika, it's like a coffee break. Nice. Yeah. Do, do you give that to your employees? Do they have a fika time? Uh, yeah, well, almost their whole shift is coffee <laughs> break. <laughs> um, and part of coffee that I really like to, my own side, I, I want to say that you are spot on with this. I taste oranges and all sorts, and I'm just like you were. If, if she's going out for coffee, I'll get like a macchiato or something, which like I think I've seen you be quoted as this is a glorified milkshake, 100% of it. But this one, like you said, you taste the notes of the, the, the orange and on the back end it's, it's the sweet, it's not the bitter that, you know, is always associated yeah. with coffees, of the burnt or bitter. So yeah, uh, like, um, yeah, coffee, if it's done right, should be, in, in our mind, uh, kind of the uh, benchmarks are sweetness, acidity, which acidity has like kind of a negative connotation. People are like, well, I don't like acidy coffee. Uh, really, it's just perceived acidity. So a coffee that you taste a lot of like citrus and stuff that you might say is acidic, uh, it's really just uh, a flavor perception. It's not actually acidic. Like if you took like a pH reading of this coffee and Starbucks, they're going to be almost the same. Like okay. 90 eight to 99% of that cup is really just H2O. Right. So it's like a very small amount as a dissolved coffee bean. Um, so it's not actually acidic, but kind of that perceived brightness that kind of like, you know, makes your like, 
uh, you know, your, your taste buds tingle a little bit. Uh, that's like what we are looking for. Like that's what I think makes mm -hmm. coffee exciting. Um, I think most coffee is going to have some sort of like caramely, uh, chocolatey kind of taste mm -hmm. to it. Uh, um, if it's not under roasted, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people hear light roast too, and they think under roasted, uh, like kind of grassy tasting. Uh, we are looking for top tier coffee. So most of what we we get in on a scale of one to a hundred. I would say is around 90, probably high 80s to low 90s, uh, but it's super high grade. So mm -hmm. if, uh, and really like a lot of bitterness comes from preparation more than anything. That's uh, my next question. Yeah, and if you taste, it's hard to explain a lot of this stuff, but uh, like the more coffee you taste and, and try and brew, uh, the more you learn, um, which we do like an extensive training program with with our employees to like learn how to taste or like taste defects in coffee and what you're tasting is it like something that you did brewing it or is it something that is just inherent in the coffee uh, that's that's just not good uh, so we're looking for kind of a balance of sweetness uh, exciting flavors like acidity brightness um, and just kind of something interesting like whether it's the mouthfeel is this kind of like effervescent is it like kind of milky smooth um, but yeah, just something that is kind of a balance between like exciting and approachable is really what, what we're going for. Gotcha. Kind of so not your ordinary coffee, for sure. Right, yeah. And for the home user, the one that can't come out to pour every morning like they really yeah. want to, um, if, if drip method, is, 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 is that the right, is that what we're doing here? So we do, we do both. We do uh, pour over, which pour is just like a hand drip right. coffee. Uh, it's just basically like what Mr. Coffee Machine does, but you're doing it by hand. Okay. With with a kettle. Uh, we have kettles here that are designed for pour over, so you're kind of having like a more delicate stream of water into the coffee, so you're not agitating the coffee grounds too much, which can cause like bitterness okay. uh, that you're not looking for. Um, but really, the dark secret of coffee uh, that I feel like a lot of coffee professionals just won't uh, come out and tell you is uh, if you start with good coffee, you'll be more likely to get good coffee. If you start with bad coffee, no matter how you brew it, it's not going to make it better. Are you talking about what, by good coffee? You mean the beans themselves? Yes, yeah, the beans themselves. So every point of the process from the time the coffee's planted in the ground to when you're drinking it in your cup, uh, there's not really potential for it to get better. It's just kind of diminishing returns mm -hmm. at every point. So. If the, hopefully the farmer uh, is using good uh, growing practices and then uh, once it's picked and harvested, uh, hopefully they have uh, good processing as far as like how they're cleaning the coffee fruit off the bean, uh, storing it, uh, if they use fer fermentation or, or not uh, in the process of, because uh, the coffee bean itself is just kind of a seed inside of a cherry, so they kind of have to get rid of the fruit off of it. Um, so there's a lot of potential for the coffee to get messed up along the way. So if you're taking careful steps all through the process and then when it's roasted, if you're roasting it to the right, uh, to the right point to kind of optimize all those things we're looking for, sweetness, balance, acidity, um, then you're hopefully getting a good cup in the end. But if you start with a coffee that hasn't been treated well, it's not roasted well, uh, a low quality uh, bean to start with. Uh, if you even do like a perfect pour over, 
it's not going to make it better. Or you pull a perfect shot of espresso to exactly the specs that you want it. Right. Uh, it's not going to make it better. It's you're only going to get out what whatever that you put in. So, and, and I feel like coffee, specialty coffee especially, is afraid to just tell you like, just buy good coffee, and you're more likely to get good coffee. Uh, I would say the most important stuff when you're brewing at home, start with good coffee, uh, good water, water quality is super important, like I said, 99% of your cup is going to be composed of the water that you use to brew it, so if you have water that tastes uh, too chemically from whatever, uh, whatever uh, city you live in, whatever they add to the water, or uh, definitely use filtered water. Uh, here at Pour, uh, we uh, obviously are putting an emphasis on quality and we want the coffees to be their absolute best so we have invested in a reverse osmosis system that basically strips the water down to nothing, almost like distilled water, and then we blend back in filtered uh, filtered water so it's, it's free of like chlorine and fluoride taste and just has some mineral content because you mm -hmm. need that to brew good coffee. Uh, but definitely, at the very minimum, use use a Brita filter or, or bottled water at home. Ice Mountain is great for making coffee. If you Shout use out to Ice Mountain. Not not sponsored. <laughs> not sponsored. Uh, but uh, use good water and a good the, and a good grinder. I, I wanted to ask about the filter. Yeah. Like, is there a specific? Um, that's really all like a personal experience type thing. To, is it, is to there me. one material that's better than another, or it's kind of whatever you like personally. So we in at Pour use a V60, which is uh, hey Nick or Patrick, can you hand me a V60? Uh, so uh, we use these to brew uh, our single cups. Uh, the design is unique in that. Um, Unlike a Melita or a lot of coffee brewers use kind of like a flat bottom at some point, either totally flat like a circle or it comes to a V with a flat bottom. This uh, comes to a point and then it also has a large opening here where like a, a cone filter fits through. So with that large hole at the bottom, uh, you can the water just kind of wants to run through quicker. Uh, if you have like, a, like most other brewers will have like a flat bottom that's metal and it'll have like a little puncture in the bottom where the water can slowly kind of drip through or even like on a Mr. Coffee or something like that it might have like two holes at the bottom uh, but this is kind of like uh, wants to have water flow through it quicker gotcha so what we do is it allows us to grind a lot finer uh, and the finer you grind the more you're gonna pull out of the coffee good and bad mm -hmm. but um, if we're using, again, good coffee, you're, you're pulling out hopefully good stuff. So you're getting a much more complex cup. And then the, the filters for these will absorb a lot of the uh, oils and stuff that you get from a more steeped process of brewing. Like uh, opposite of this would be uh, like French press, where you kind of are filling a, a container full of ground coffee with hot water. You're letting it steep together. So the water is constantly in contact with the coffee beans. Uh, and then you're kind of draining, or not draining it, but you're kind of plunging out the grounds and pouring out kind of the uh, water through a, a metal filter. Uh, the paper filter will absorb a lot more of the oil, so you're getting a much more clean, delicate cup. So you, you don't get a lot of like oils and stuff in, in this as opposed to like a French press, right. which will have like kind of like a, a thicker, kind of oilier mouthfeel to it. Um, 
we uh, we used to use, uh, which we still from time to time will use Chemex, which is very similar in terms of brew method, like pouring style, but uh, it's kind of a, a beautiful glass container. Uh, we kind of have some uh, plants in them over there, but uh, we used to use it for like two, uh, brewing two cups at a time. You can okay. brew larger volumes in it. Uh, if you have one at home, you can also use it as a wine decanter. Um, but it's kind of got this uh, hourglass shape, so the cone is very similar to this fits in the top. Uh, it's got a special bonded paper. It's much thicker, so you'll get like the cleanest cup of coffee I think you can get really nice. on a Chemex. Um, almost the same thing, but uh, I just prefer the V60. Uh, it can fit right on your mug, or you can brew into a canister. I've brewed larger quantities in this and had great results too, uh, but it kind of lets you just kind of dig into to a coffee very quickly, very easily. Uh, I personally brew on a, a coffee brewer at home. I don't do a lot of pour overs anymore at home. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, just a laziness thing or just, just being tired from having kids. Office, you can have somebody else do it, right? Yeah, I just I don't I don't want to think about it at home. I guess, uh, which I get. Um, we used to only do pour overs at pour. Now we also have drip, which uh, is that something that the customers were asking for? Uh, it was more of a speed of service uh, concern for us. Uh, if we had like a, a rush of customers, and we would kind of get backed up just because we can only do so many pour overs at a time. Right. Whereas we have like a reservoir of coffee that we kind of constantly keep fresh and brewed, and uh, we can serve people quicker if they're just looking for a quick coffee, but. Uh, and that's kind of how we set up our menu. We have uh, usually one domestic roaster that we're working with, um, just because of uh, cost-wise, it's, it's uh, far uh, far cheaper to uh, get coffee in from the from the U.S. than some of our other roasters that we work with from outside the states. Uh, and then we usually throw something a little bit more approachable. Not always. A lot of, I mean, all the coffees that we get in are really good, but usually it's more of a kind of chocolatey, more of those like uh, true like coffee note type things you're looking for: chocolate, caramel, nutty. Uh, so usually like a, a Brazil, a Colombia, something like that. Uh, Guatemalan right now is what we have, which is like very milk chocolatey. It's got a little like orange. Uh, tangerine kind of finish to it that makes it kind of exciting and different but uh, very approachable coffee we throw on uh, Fetco which is just a, a manufacturer of a brewer uh, that we use and uh, so you can get a quick cup here uh, or you can get coffee from uh, some of the best roasters around the world uh, that we've made some really good partnerships with uh, since we started serving international coffees uh, I think we started doing that in 2015 so we've been doing it almost four years now, uh, and we've worked with award-winning roasters from Norway, Germany, uh, Japan, uh, so really exciting stuff that you can't get uh, almost anywhere else in the, in the States, or sometimes uh, nowhere else in the States. And soon to be uh, one of the best roasters in the world is you, right? Uh, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, as, as a coffee shop owner, um, what made you take the jump? to that extra venture to yeah. start roasting yourself? So, uh, or is it just because you didn't have enough room in your kitchen to kind of start that venture at, 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 at home too? No, uh, the it's, roasting is something I never planned on doing uh, when we opened. Um, and my wife uh, 
kind of gives me uh, crap about it uh, because she asked about it and I was like, oh, we'll never roast. Don't don't worry about that. As far as like branding and stuff. Uh, uh, so here we are five plus years later and we're going to be opening a roastery uh, hopefully in the next month. We're just kind of going through the final processes of building out and getting permits and stuff like that. Um, but uh, we started out as kind of a, a single roaster shop like a lot of places do. Um, we were working with Counterculture uh, Coffee, which is one of the big four or so roasters in the, in the States. They're out of uh, uh, Raleigh. Uh, and uh, they provide great education and stuff, so it was a great company to start with. Um, most of my personal coffee knowledge and that's been incorporated into our own training has come from them. Uh, we uh, started with them and then we started getting samples sent to us probably six months in uh, once we were open and people could find us on the internet uh, from roasters around the country. And uh, after a while it was just getting tough to stick with one roaster because there's so much good coffee out there and uh, that was a bigger mission for me than to have uh, loyalty to one roaster was to like share really good coffee with everybody in Cleveland so we just eventually decided to make the switch to become a multi-roaster shop and uh, which has its advantages and disadvantages uh, from a business perspective you don't get really uh, same like bulk price breaks that you would by just using one roaster, but you have access to so much more coffee that way. Uh, so we started like kind of a monthly, uh, every couple month uh, rotation of, of roasters. Uh, we've worked with really some of the best uh, and brightest in, in the U.S. Uh, ceremony out of Annapolis. We've done uh, Madcap. Uh, We've done George Howell, uh, some really like groundbreaking roasters in, in specialty in the U.S. Uh, and kind of just decided to keep a rotation of that. Eventually, we were contacted by uh, Five Elephant, which is a roaster in Berlin, Germany that uh, you're actually sipping right now. Uh, and they were like, yeah, we found you on Instagram. Would you like to try some samples from... Uh, roaster in Berlin, Germany. I was like, yeah, I don't know how this will work, but okay. Right. So they sent us uh, probably eight or so coffees that uh, we have free coffee cuppings every Saturday that okay. you can come in and try coffees and learn a little bit more about coffee and tasting coffee. Um, Is that at the same time every Saturday? Yeah, every Saturday at noon. Every Saturday at noon, poor Cleveland coffee lessons. Yeah. So yeah, just come in. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, like we, we put... Uh, Sometimes what's on our menu, sometimes it's from a roaster that'll send us stuff. Uh, we have some coffee that we just got from a roaster in Japan. So, I mean, really unique opportunities that, and it's and it's free. So, really cool way to learn more about coffee, meet people. Um, but anyways, yeah, we did that. We did a public cupping and tried it. And uh, myself and uh, our, our store manager and trainer, uh, who will also be our head roaster, uh, Gabe, uh, got in and, and tried them all and they really like blew our minds. Uh, it was unlike anything that I had tried. It, uh, 
kind of like formulated like what our current uh, barometer for good coffee, just bright, sweet, exciting, um, super clean tasting. You don't taste like roast at all. I love every time that you're using these descriptive words. As you usually find a way to do that after I sip the cup somehow. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. So all the way through. It's uh, and yeah. This particular, the five elephant one, I'm yeah. finding like as the temperature goes down on it, it's tasting more and more like a tea. Yeah, or that's like, uh, I guess a lot of like home coffees, like the colder it gets, you're like, well, I don't want this anymore. With that's it. a good test like, for your like, coffee is letting it cool because mm -hmm. uh, you'll more of a uh, more of the good and, and more of the battle will come through. You can taste more. Uh, your taste buds work better like when the coffee's more in the 170s we brew it close to 200 okay. so usually after five ten minutes it's usually like in its like prime spot for uh, for like evaluation um but uh yeah uh getting back to the five elephant we we just had to figure out a way to get it on our menu um and being in in cleveland and in this market it was a bit of a challenge and kind of a like an evaluation point like are, are we ready for this is the market ready for this and in a lot of ways it wasn't but um, we uh, we just have a commitment to kind of quality and I'd rather serve coffee that I'm excited about than right you know kind of the mundane and uh, we brought in coffee from Germany and that led to us ordering in samples from other respected international roasters uh, like Tim Wendelbow out of Oslo, Norway, he wins like Nordic Roaster of the Year, which is like a style of roasting. That's your preferred style, isn't it, the Nordic? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of lighter, it puts more emphasis on acidity, which uh, again in, in American coffee culture I feel like has a negative connotation, um, but really like coffee should be acidic, but it should also be balanced and sweet. It shouldn't be like just acidic and with nothing else going on it that would taste kind of gross right uh, so we want our stuff to be exciting but approachable and you seem to do a lot with the local people I think I saw you in the Cleveland Independence and and you're we're, we're trying to get the other cafes in to kind of learn how to do it how, what do you think about building a coffee culture what, what where do you see yourself in Cleveland coffee culture um I would say most of my focus has been honestly on I, I, I'm a huge believer in Cleveland and wanting this city to look good. Um, so most of my focus has been on, on my own business, to be honest. Um, I'm definitely into the coffee culture here growing, and I think by being uh, the best we can be ourselves, it pushes other people to kind of do better and do uh, things differently. And I, I think we've all um, pushed each other to be better. Over, over the last five years, Rising Star, Phoenix, uh, Duck Rabbit, uh, and then like so many independent shops are, have opened since since we started in 2013. So uh, coffee culture here is, uh, I think, better than most people will even give it credit. Right. Uh, you know, I, I would rather get a cup of coffee in Cleveland uh, than in almost any other city in the States. Nice. Which I couldn't say five years ago. <laughs> And what about uh, the Cleveland bakeries? Are there any Cleveland bakeries being a guy that kind of yeah. is, is all about the morning routine? What Cleveland bakeries should not only I check out for something like this, but everybody else? Where should people know about to get a good thing to go with a cup of coffee? Uh, well, I'll start with uh, our partners. Uh, Cleveland Bagel Company, we were Delicious. one of the first to uh, partner with them uh, when they were just kind of starting out and uh, didn't have a storefront. And now they're their bagel uh, royalty, really. 
They uh, they have a second store. Yeah, they're over on uh, I think 77 in uh, uh, Carnegie. Um, yeah, Dan and, and Jeff uh, are are great. They uh, they have a great product. Uh, we serve them for uh, pretty much like our first four years and then took a break once they opened their store uh, we couldn't sell anymore for a while so we had to just stop because we were throwing out too many bagels and it was just sad uh, but we had too many people asking for them again so we started serving them again uh, for the last like few months and, and they're great uh, so we, we serve those with our coffee and then uh, Philomena Bake Shop I can't really say enough good things about uh, Caitlin uh, the owner of Philomena, uh, she reached out to us and came in here not long after we opened, maybe six months, and gave us uh, a taste of the kind of the stuff she was making back then. Uh, it was amazing, so we threw her on our menu. Um, and over time, she found out she kind of amazing. She either realized or developed a, a severe gluten intolerance where she couldn't even be near it without getting sick and uh, she had to take a break from from baking uh, oh, no. for like I want to say maybe six months or so uh, but uh, kind of you know this is her passion so she kind of reformulated herself as totally gluten-free and vegan and uh, we serve uh, a couple different muffins uh, scones cookies, they're all gluten-free and vegan, and I would put them against almost every uh, bakery in town that is full gluten, and her stuff uh, is blows almost everything out of, out of the water. Excellent. Yeah. The one warning thing I haven't heard, where do you personally go, being a, somebody from the east side and the west side, where do you go for your donuts? Donuts? Uh, God, there's a lot of I like of how your eyes just lit up for donuts. Maybe there's a donut huh. shop in the future? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> I know nothing about donuts other than uh, eating them. Uh, brunuts, brunuts for sure. Uh, we we used to serve brunuts here uh, as well. Uh, we've kind of been like an incubator for a lot of uh, food businesses to get off the ground. Um, at least I like to think that. But um, uh, brunuts, Shelly and John, the owners, are uh, extremely passionate, creative, and it shows in their donuts. Uh, they have an amazing store over uh, in Detroit Shoreway uh, in Gordon Square. They're like 56 in Detroit, uh, or 65th, sorry. Uh, really cool space. They have like a, a donut bar, but it's an actual bar bar, so they have full liquor license, beer, and that was kind of their concept. All their donuts are kind of beer-centric. Um, their stuff's really good. Jack Frost, I, I love Jack Frost. Uh, I don't even think you could call Jack Frost donuts. They're so like decadent and huge. It's yeah, almost like a wedding cake. They almost. are. Uh, They're delicious though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Fluffy Duck also is uh, not not for donuts, but for, for baked goods. Uh, they're amazing. They're uh, really talented. Uh, nothing quite like them in town. Uh, there's also uh, On the Rise. Uh, does more like authentic pastry uh, and Blackbird also on the on the west side, but uh, Fluffy Duck for like actual like pastry pastry is uh, unbeatable in town. Uh, I want people to know we're we're a small business, we're a family business. It's uh, 
my wife uh, has a full-time job, but she uh, definitely uh, directs most of our marketing and strategy that way. Uh, is there a full-time job related to marketing, or does she just kind of have that second nature for it? Uh, no, she she is in marketing, so that that helps for <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's difficult, but um, it's also fun to like you know create a brand and and, and maintain it. It's it's really important to us uh, that that voice kind of remains constant and and consistent through the last six years. Is, is there anything that you could recommend to people that are trying to work with a spouse? I mean, I you always hear the horror stories of people working together. What what keeps that working and also keeps the whole household balance working? Uh, uh, my, my wife is amazing uh, as far as uh, being uh, like a true partner in this. Um, extremely like supportive of, of this is my dream and she's never been anything but supportive of that and, and my pursuit of uh, being the best business person I can be and uh, definitely under, like has an understanding of what what I'm trying to do and, and you know you're never like fully at the point you want to be at in business and you're, you're always striving to change and improve uh, and, and Maggie uh, my wife has uh, always supported that and done you know gone out of her way to make sure that that happens for for us and she views herself as a partner in this uh, even though she does have uh, a full-time job you know she will spend uh, an hour at night kind of crafting a post and stuff like that for Instagram and uh, comes up with ideas for the store so uh, it's uh, it's not so much a chore to have uh, a wife or, or a spouse uh, work with you it's more uh, it makes it easier if anything if you have a, a supporting spouse that uh, in business because there's too many uh, there's too many trials and difficult times in business that if you don't have a strong support system at home it, it, it would almost be impossible absolutely yeah and kind of on the same business note with the marketing and everything, if, as a business owner, knowing what you know now, everything that you've done, if you could go fill it up again, sir, fill it up again. Thanks, Nick. Uh, if you could go all the way back to the start, all the way back to the original time, oh, yeah. knowing everything that you know now, is, is there a, anything or is there a list of things as somebody that's looking to start a coffee shop or start their own small shop, uh, what would you go back and change, if anything? I think uh, for this specific plan, I would have, uh, I probably would have done a, like a pop-up almost uh, while we were building out this space, uh, just because whatever your construction timeline is, triple it, quadruple it, uh, we were supposed to be open in April of 2013, we didn't end up opening until almost December. So that's that's a lot of uh, capital that is just kind of going to waste. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I think a pop up would have helped kind of introduce us to the market uh, before we open. Would have just helped us hit the ground running a little bit more. Uh, just research your your concept, but uh, I would say uh, what's kept us in business over the years is. I, I absolutely love 
this and what I do. I think too many people get into business for the wrong reasons. I got, I became a lawyer for the wrong reasons. I thought I'd make like six figures and just be happy doing that, even though I hated the actual job. Uh, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. That that saying is true to a degree. I mean, I, I work hard, but uh, it's it's fun. I, I get to try amazing coffees from all over the world, which is what I love to do anyways, and, and share those with people. So. Uh, yeah, just if you're going to go into business, make sure you love it because you're going to be doing it for a long time and yeah. Nice. Yeah. And on that doing it a long time, you got the roasting coming up. Yeah. Is, are you thinking, if, to me, the only thing that in the, your whole business plan that I haven't really seen that, I, maybe you're doing it in the classes, right? Unfortunately, we'll be there pretty soon now that we know about it. But are you thinking of doing any sort of educational type thing? Yeah. Kind of just like either whether it's an internet thing or kind of just keeping... We we have done some, not consistently enough. Mm -hmm. uh, we... It, it was actually a very important part of the business plan was uh, education. And a lot of it has been educating ourselves, really. Uh, like my understanding of coffee today versus... Uh, like when we first opened is completely different. And uh, so thinking of ways to like communicate that better to people is is really important. Um, we've done some like homebrewing classes, uh, but even that to me, uh, as my understanding of coffee has evolved, has just changed like, again, like I would rather you buy a really good coffee have me grind it here in the store, whereas when we first opened, I would have told you to like buy a pour-over kit, and I can't really advocate that, to, if I'm being honest with my customer. Mm -hmm. uh, I think most people, it, it's not really practical, and it's not always the best way to enjoy the coffee. It, it's definitely the, a way to like learn the most about coffee and really like dive into it, uh, cup by cup, but uh, if you buy a good home brewer and good coffee and you grind it here on a, on a good grinder, you're going to get almost better results than grinding it at home on a blade grinder or even a, a, a lower quality burr grinder. Um, so you know, I can I can do like a home brewing class, but uh, if I'm being honest, it, it might not be how I'd recommend you brew the coffee at home. I, I have a, a Bonavita brewer at home that I've fallen in love with, again not sponsored, uh, but it's like about a hundred bucks on Amazon. Uh, it gets the water temperature to the right point where a lot of like Mr. Coffees and stuff uh, will not get the water hot enough which is important for extraction uh, and some of my favorite cups are on that at home but uh, yeah we, we do want to uh, have more classes and stuff out here which we probably will in the spring but I've just honestly been spread too thin to do Absolutely. more of that. Yeah, when I first heard about the, uh, the roastery being right across from Barrio, like instantly every time I hear Barrio, I think good tacos, but I think waiting my ass off. So like as soon as I heard like if there's a cool place just kind of to go, like, not even like a whole tour, but like if there's, I don't know how the building's all set up, but like if there was any way to kind of have like the public just kind of see, even if there's through a window of like the process, kind of like yeah, well, microbreweries, like I think that'd be a really cool thing. That's, yeah, that's something we want to do. We have a, we have a large storefront. Uh, not a large storefront, we have large windows in our storefront. Our storefront itself is like 550 square feet upstairs, so it's very small. Uh, I would like a cafe in there, but it's, it's honestly not just not big enough. Right. We have 
all of our space is going to be used for roasting and QC and, and training our wholesale customers. But uh, yeah, eventually I'd like a larger space to do that. Uh, if it works out, we might decide to uh, get certified for uh, through the health department for like Saturday. Like I know a lot of people go to Barrio for like brunch and stuff, right. but. Uh, it's it's fairly quiet in that neighborhood um, mm -hmm. during the week. That I don't know that it would be worth opening a cafe. There's other cafes that we like to work with and sell our coffee to right. as well. Uh, but really, like the the thing with wholesaling is wanting other people to brew coffee better. Right, kind of scaling everything we're doing and kind of making sure yeah. while it scales, it's doing it at a quality level. Right, and that's that's the type of like customers that we want. So uh, hopefully, we can just get more. People brewing coffee and brewing better coffee, and that that will be a that'll better be a win-win. Right? Yeah. Everybody's nicer with the coffee. If it's better coffee, it's, it only makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really, coffee. Uh, I think that's another thing that specialty coffee does is likes to overcomplicate coffee to the point where it's again like confusing and off-putting. But if you are uh, again approachable and Simplify it as much as possible. It, it's it's not hard to make a good cup of coffee, really, as long as you have a, a basic understanding. So, classes that like go over that kind of stuff would be would be uh, cool to do, and we, we hope to do more of those. Yeah, and even if it's not a class, because I know that takes a lot of resource and space. It's one of those like after the shop shuts down, kind of sets, use the shop as a little video studio to kind of yeah. You know, you guys, your Instagram presence is phenomenal. I think you're like thirteen thousand. Yeah, just you about. Know, and, and your branding is beautiful. Everything's congruent. To kind of have that same educational piece on the, the video front. Yeah. And um, same thing. Like I, I'd love before we get out of here, get a couple guys kind of showing us how they do the latte art type stuff. Yeah, sure, we can do that. I mean, that's such like. You guys find so many different ways to bring the art, like the beakers behind you, or the art, or the plants coming out of the different things. Like yeah, uh, I think that's part of the like, the whole atmosphere that I, I I fell in love with with coffee. Is it, it, it is a beautiful kind of ritual. Right. Uh, it's a communal thing. Like the, yeah. fir the first thing when she wakes up, it's like there's like a cup of coffee. You know, it's one of the, the first yeah. nice thing that you can do for somebody in the morning. You know. Yeah. It's uh. That that was me. I, I would like wake up real early and like, oh man, I get to make coffee. I'm I'm like happy now. Nice. So yeah, like that aspect and it, it is beautiful. So we have like you know brewers that are, are beautiful. Our, our grinder is is beautiful. The espresso machine we have is. Uh, Functionally, it's awesome, but it, it's also a, like very unique and beautiful as well. Right. Uh, cold brew towers over here. Uh, a unique process for sure, uh, as opposed to how most people do cold brew in town. But also, they look really cool. Look people really like cool. taking photos of those. Right. Um, the experience. Uh, I would say it does. Um, you know, our service model, we we don't emphasize it. Maybe as much as I would like to in an ideal world, uh, just because cost-wise. But uh, I think you know, if you and not just coffee, anything. I think if you drink it out of a different type of glass, uh, like or like beers too. If you go get uh, beer at like a craft brewery, they'll have different shaped glasses depending on the style of beer that you're drinking. Uh, I think it matters like how you experience like the aromas uh, versus like how the how it's flowing like into your mouth and stuff like that will kind of uh, be affected by the by the glass and that like, can help uh, one of the roasters actually that we work with 
uh, Tim Wendell Bow, who I have immense respect for, has uh, like developed a set of glasses depending on, or like cups, depending on uh, which coffee you're drinking. So, uh, you know, they, they'll have like, for more fuller bodied stuff, you might have like a, a, like a wider mouth cup that you kind of like, or just like, that's like what's emphasized some stuff be more like narrow where like you're like just kind of hit with like the aromas and stuff like that so definitely matters uh it for me like drinking coffee I, I i like a comfortable mug something that you know it's not uh, uh too wide where it's like awkward uh to like sip out of but uh just something comfortable clean sleek that's kind of like our whole visual motif right. here was that the first cup that you guys picked, or were? No, we used as to far use. As a, I think what I'm trying to get at, as far as a business standpoint, how did you source the right cup manufacturer? Uh, we're like very conscious of like um, uh, different players in in the industry, like specialty coffee wise. So, uh, you know, there's you can go with like a basic diner mug, which you know is at, at like Waffle House or whatever. Right. Uh, but uh, we wanted something a little bit more. Uh, Streamlined and sleek, so uh, we are using uh, mugs now that we get custom printed from. Uh, it's called Created uh, Company, Created Co. Are they local? They are not. They're. Uh, I believe they're out of California, but I don't know for sure. Uh, and then there's also uh, we have mugs out there from uh, Not Neutral, which is another. Uh, they're California-based company, but very like ergonomic, uh, very beautiful mugs. Um, but uh, we, yeah, we just decided to do something a little bit uh, bigger for this round of uh, mugs than our last ones. Our our last ones used to like fill like basically to the brim, which our our pour overs currently fill fairly high, but there's a little bit of room. But kind of ran out of space. And then our like espresso mugs and stuff are all from uh, Ancap, which is like a, an Italian designer. Uh, really like easy to pour into and stuff like that. Nice. And how like then every As always, I want to thank the listeners. I want to thank the sponsors. I want to thank my guest. And I'd also like to ask you guys to go ahead and wherever you're listening to this at, maybe subscribe. Definitely leave a review. Even if you thought it was shit, let everybody know. If you thought it was great, let everybody know. And I look forward to the next episode, and I hope you do too. Talk to you then.